Good morning. Dan, before I get into my message, I just want to sample the announcement number system so that everybody can see what it looks like. So if you, there we go. Um, if you have kids and kids quest in our new kids quest uh, setup, um, we have our nursery, which is all the way down at the end of the hallway for zero to two year olds on the left hand side. And then upstairs in the room immediately above our heads is the kids quest room for our first through sixth graders. And then down the hallway is the room for our preschool through K, three years old through five years old classroom. And uh, the way our system works is you'll check your kids in, you'll get a name badge, and on your name badge will be a number for your family. And if you're needed for any reason, they will, uh, each of the teachers will send a text to Dan, our sound guy, or whoever's working in sound, and he will then, uh, we've kind of color-coded things, so the nursery is uh, green, and the, the younger three through five-year-old kids are blue, and then the bigger kids, the older kids, are orange. And so your number, whatever your family number is, uh, will go up on the screen while we're talking. Change the color. Um, yeah, so um, it, we, initially it was a small little tiny number. Now it is unmistakable. Um, so if you see a number go up on the screen and no one's moving around, I'm not looking at the number, so somebody let me know that number 10 is going on, and uh, then that means that please go help get your kid. So if it's a nursery issue, nursery again is all the way down at the end of the hallway. And if it's one of the older kids areas, you'll go up these stairs and then the check-in person will let you know. What we're asking is that once you've checked your kid in, that we're not allowing any adults past the check-in area unless it's something that we've called you for that we need your help for. Uh, just trying to make sure that our kids area is secure and that nobody's in there that doesn't belong there. And then the same thing, when you go to pick your kids up at the end of the service, go up to the check-in service, show them your badge that matches the badge that your kid has, and they'll go get your kid and bring them to you. Uh, we would appreciate it if you not go back there to get your kid. They'll, they'll get your kid and bring them to you. So um, that would be fantastic. Oh, there we go. That's perfect. Thanks, Dan. So this is my 12th Father's Day. Kind of cool. So we, uh, we've been um, trying. Uh, I know that a lot of you helped us to uh, build the barn at the Dickerson Ranch uh, last summer. The, it, was, it was a shed that evolved into a barn. And uh, so thank you for all of that. The intent for the barn was so that we could clean the garage and actually use the garage as a garage and park vehicles in it and, and do things in the garage. And then what happened is all the junk from the garage went to the shed. So now the shed is unusable. And then all the stuff that was in the house went to the garage. And so neither were unusable. And so uh, we've just kind of, it's been one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't want to clean the garage. I don't want to clean the shed. And so yesterday... Uh, we, we spent the day cleaning out the garage. And, yes. And uh, i, I got to figure out from, I don't, I don't know anything about garbage. Um, I literally have a mountain of garbage 
that if we had a dumpster, I would have taken it and put it in the dumpster. Boxes and boxes. If you're into books, um, I literally have boxes and boxes of books that I are either old books from school or things. Some of them are, are, are like old uh, textbooks. Some of them are books that people gave to me, but I've just honestly never read them. And I'm just honest with myself that I never will read them. And so they're in boxes. And if you want some books, you want to come look through my books uh, between now and Thursday, because uh, Thursday they're going to be donated to Waste Management. Um, so in... Uh, in all of those boxes, we were finding all kinds of stuff. And it was one of those things where I felt like I was standing there with a bullwhip in my hand. Because Terry, every time she found something, it was like, oh, look at this. And then she would take it and do this. Oh, oh. And I'm like, there are boxes. But in one of her moments, she found my very first Father's Day card from my daughter, Joy. And it says, a father's love is a shelter from life's storms. Having you for a father has always made me feel safe and warm and very loved. Happy Father's Day. And she signed it. She was one. So my very first Father's Day. And then when you look at the picture, this literally looks like me and Joy when Joy was one. You see that? Doesn't it look just like her? The back of her head? Yeah. Anyways. I just thought I'd share that. And guys, thank you. It was awesome, uh, that ministry through that song. Thank you so, for sharing. Josh and did John and Em, they left. Okay. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our fathers, for the dads that you've placed in our lives. Lord, we know that they're not perfect, that sometimes they fail us. But Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for the life that they give, the, the strength that they offer. Father, we ask that, that you would bless our dads today. Lord, I know that there are probably people here in this room who can't say that dad was the greatest that he didn't offer that strength, that he didn't lead their home maybe that terribly well. But God, regardless of if your dad was a, a great dad or a not-so-great dad, you are our dad. You are our Abba Father, and we thank you. We wish you a happy Father's Day. Lord, we love you. We ask that you would bless your word. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are in uh, a series called Circle Maker. Uh, we're using the book, the, the Circle Maker, by Mark Batterson. Uh, if you don't have a copy of uh, Circle Maker, there are extra copies on the back. They are absolutely free. Uh, we just ask that you take one per family, please. Um, they just because we don't want people just taking them and, and then not using them or using them to prop up the TV or, or something. Take it if you're going to read it. It's our gift to you. And um, it's been an absolute amazing adventure to see what God has done over just these first two weeks. We, we, we started a 21-day prayer challenge where we just said, look, we're going to send out an email every day. And we want you to just take time to, first thing in the morning, get into God's Word, check your email, read the email, devotional, 
pray through it. Sometimes there are things that we're praying for. Um, and, and i got to tell you, amazing things are happening. Um, on, it was Saturday, I think. Um, the, the, the email was talking about how they were, you know, sometimes God will tell you to stop praying for something and do something, right? And so the illustration that Mark was sharing in the, in the email was they were praying for a guy in their small group that God would bless them with a computer. They needed a computer. And then as they were praying, Mark was like, wait a minute. Because he felt like God told him, stop praying. So, what do you mean, stop praying? Stop praying. You have a computer in your garage. Give him your computer. And so as I'm reading my own thing, I mean, and again, I, I, a lot of the material that's in the daily emails comes right from Mark Batterson's stuff, and then I take it and kind of tweak it for us. And, and so I, you know, I had prepared it and loaded it and put it in there, and, and I, I load them a few days in advance, so I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. every morning to send you the email. That's the beautiful thing of scheduling. I love it. And I can schedule three or four of them at a row and go one, two, three, four, five, and then I get up and I get the email. And so I wake up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the email for today. And so I'm reading through the email that I sent to myself, and I'm thinking, I know someone who needs a computer, and I have a computer sitting in my garage. And so I sent a text, I'm like, giving you guys a computer. And they were like, what? And, and just it was one of those things where it's like, you know, God will do amazing things when we will stop and take the time to listen. And, and I, you know, he spoke to me through my own email to say, you have a computer and they need a computer. Why is it collecting dust in your garage? And then I had somebody else send me an email saying, we have a computer and we want to give it to someone. So all of a sudden, computers are flying all over the place. Um, it's amazing. I shared last week, and, and I sent out the email, and, and every, you know, it's one of those things, the, the whole Fiji thing um, is whatever comes of it, whatever God does with it, um, it's put something in my heart that this week I, I, was, I was reading through just a few things, some of the details, and saw something that was discouraging to me um, about it. And you know what? I'm not going to let that discourage me. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to believe that, that if God wants us to go to Fiji, he can send us to Fiji. And, and so then I thought, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be so concerned about winning some contest. Maybe I should start praying for Fiji. So I started Googling what's going on in Fiji, and I went to the Assemblies of God National Missions webpage, and I found out that there was a flood in Fiji in January that like made uh, several... I think several hundred, if not thousands, of families in Fiji homeless. Uh, that one of the Assemblies of God churches in, in Nadir, uh, which is the, one of the main cities where the international airport is, actually had 12 feet of water in their church building that they had just renovated. And so now all of a sudden my prayer life is changing and now I'm not praying for a vacation to take my kids to an amazing place, although I'm still praying for that. Now I'm praying, God, bless those pastors and bless those people. And, and, and God, if you haven't already, straight, I had no idea. Did you know? I didn't know. So now I'm covering Fiji in prayer. I'm praying for those pastors. I'm praying for those churches. I'm praying for the, the, the people that they'll be able to reach and minister to. Fiji is an amazing place. 
40% Christian. It's pretty amazing. Um, beats us. And, uh, and, and the, rest of the, the rest of the population of Fiji is either um, the, they're native um, or they're um, Indian, so they're, they're Hindu, they're transplants. Back, I think, in the, in the 30s or the 40s, they brought in a whole uh, Indian population to work as like maids and servants and all that kind of stuff. And so there's this, a very large Hindi population, um, but the, the Methodists run the show in, in, uh, in Fiji. It's kind of cool. But then there, there's, there are a dozen Assemblies of God churches there. So there's the Methodist church, and then there's us in, in the nation of Fiji. Who knew? I didn't know. But now it's giving me a direction to pray. And, and I, I'm actually I'm going to be reaching out to one of the pastors there that I could find their, their church's website and say, if there's still a need, how can we help? What can we do to bless you? And, and maybe there's a sister church for us to connect with in Fiji. That's pretty good. None of that has anything to do with my message. This week we're talking about praying hard. And, uh, you know, we started off the series just introducing the story of Honey, the circle maker. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an incredible story that, that Honey was a man who was willing to pray bold prayers even when they looked foolish, even when they didn't look like they made any sense. And, and you know, the idea of his taking, him, taking his staff and drawing a circle in the sand and saying, God, I'm not leaving this circle till you answer my prayer, until you send rain for your people, is, is a bold prayer. Because you could be standing there in the dust, in a circle in the middle of town for a long time without any rain, Right? What happens if he has to go to the bathroom and it hasn't rained? You get hungry after standing there. But God shows up because God, Mark says it over and over in, in, in the book, that God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. So last week Jamie talked about dreaming big and, and dreaming, God, what is it that you want to do in us and through us as a church, as, as families, as individuals? This morning, I want to talk about praying hard. And, you know, prayer is one of those things where it's like, it, it can really be a struggle, can it? Um, prayer for me has always been a challenge. And, and I'm confessing that to you, that, that I, I remember going to a prayer meeting one time uh, with pastors and, uh, when I was a youth pastor in Ohio. And you get together with a bunch of pastors, and you start talking about what's going on in your life, and everybody wants to tell you how amazing their church is, right? And how everything at their church is going well, and we're growing, and, and everything is, is good. And so we're at this meeting, and these guys are all talking, and, and this one guy, his name is Doug, it was his turn to kind of share what was going on. And, and everyone's just, praise the Lord, and everything's awesome, and you should come, you know, our church is, is it's, it's just fantastic. And Doug comes up, and Doug says, guys, i got to tell you, my prayer life stinks. And everybody's just kind of like, oh, well, that's not the correct response. The correct response is for you to say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, brother, and our church is doing amazing, just like everybody else's. And Doug was like, you know what? I'm going to be real. 
prayer life stinks. I loved that, that, that someone had the guts to say, you know what, it's not perfect in my life. I struggle. And, and right now, guys, I need your help because my prayer life is, is tough. Pastor to pastor, my prayer life stinks. It's a pretty honest, bold thing to say. So I've just been so blessed to hear the stories of what God's doing in all of your lives. So the, the emails that you're sending me, uh, telling me about what God's doing, keep them coming. Um, if you haven't sent one and God's doing something, let us know. Um, if, you, if you have your chalk from last week and you circled something and the rain washed it away and you didn't get a chance to send us a picture, it's a beautiful day. Go circle it again and snap a picture of it and email it to me. Um, that's, that's, it's totally okay. Yeah, so I posted a bunch of them on Facebook. So if you didn't see them um, or yours got washed away and you can't remember what you circled a week ago, uh, you can go to the Facebook page and, and you can see them. So uh, in the book, if you're following along and kind of reading with us, this coming week we'll be reading chapters 12 through 18 and we'll be wrapping up the series next Sunday. Um, but when, when we think about it, I, I want to share this illustration or this story um, now, for me, anybody like math? Like you love math? You are all bizarro. I just want to say, <laughs> I can't stand math. And, and I, I don't know why I don't like math. I just have never gotten math. Um, I, 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 sometimes I kind of blame it on the fact that I skipped a grade. Um, yeah, I do. I, this is my own personal insecurity in therapy. Um, <laughs> When I was in, I, I, I skipped from kindergarten to second grade. I skipped first grade because I was a great reader, loved to read. Um, if you ever see Nathaniel, Nathaniel always has a book, sometimes two. He's a two-fister. He's got two books, and it's just depending on which one that he wants to read. Uh, but I skipped first grade, and in first grade is where you do all those basic elemental things where you learn about what adds up to what, and you learn how to tell time on an analog clock and all of those things that I never learned how to do. Uh, I, I mean, eventually I picked it up, but I just, <laughs> eventually I did. Um, I know, it's an analog clock. <laughs> no, seriously, I didn't learn how to tell time on an analog clock until I was 15 years old. Uh, and I had to teach myself because I worked at Sears at Long Ridge Mall when it was Long Ridge Mall. And I, I, my digital watch broke because it was the 80s. You didn't need to know how to tell time on an analog clock. I had a digital watch. My digital watch broke, and I didn't know what time it was to go home. And I was too embarrassed to ask anyone what time it was, because they would say, well, the clock is right there. And I'd be like, I can't read it. <laughs> and so I'm up there. Back, back in the day, security used to have these little perches, and they'd go up into the second story, and they'd sit in these little chairs, and there was two-way mirrors. And you actually had a guy sitting up there looking through the two-way mirror to watch for shoplifters. Now it's all done with cameras. But I was sitting there in the security booth looking at the clock because I could see it. And no one could see that I was in there. And I'm like, oh, the big hand is on the door. Oh, so stupid. Curse you, first grade. But in standardized math tests, Japanese kids consistently score better than American kids. It's kind of embarrassing. And some assume that it's because that, that Japanese people are just naturally better at math than American kids are. 
And, and so they think that that's the, the reason. So researchers did a study involving first graders. And they took first grade Japanese kids and first grade American kids. And they were given a difficult puzzle to solve to try to figure out, are Japanese kids smarter than American kids? And so they weren't really, they didn't care how, how, um, if they solved the puzzle or not. What they wanted to know is how long would they try before they gave up. And so the American kids, on average, lasted 9.47 minutes. The Japanese kids lasted 13.93 minutes. What that means is, is that the Japanese kids tried 47% longer than American kids did. And is it any wonder why they score higher on math exams? They, they don't give up like we do. They keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going. And so they concluded, the researchers did, that the difference in math scores might have less to do with intelligence quotient and more to do with persistence quotient, that Japanese first graders simply tried harder. Now, you know, whether or not that makes the difference between the math scores or not, uh, the implications are true no matter what. No matter what we're talking about, whether it's math, <laughs> hate it, whether it's athletics, not so great at it, but I'm willing to try, or prayer, that, that we, we give up so quickly. We give up so easily when things don't seem to come as fast as we'd like them to come. Um, another study was done by um, these musicians in um, Berlin. And it was amazing. They took uh, three and divided these violinists up into three groups. And they were able to classify them into these violinists are world-class violinists. And these guys are, are good viol violinists. And these guys are okay and, and definitely unlikely to ever play professionally. And so they started looking at how did they get to where they are? And so they all started around the same time. They all practiced about the same all about the same time until they hit the age of eight. And then when they hit eight, then vast differences started to come out. And they, were, they found that by the age of 20, the violinists that were average had logged about 4,000 hours of practice time in their 20 years of life practicing violin. And the good violinists had totaled about 8,000 hours, double the good ones, or double the average ones. The elite performer set the standard with 10,000 hours that they simply put in the time. And, and it's, it's incredible that, you know, obviously there's an innate ability to play. You see these kids on America's Got Talent and they're like three, and they're amazing. And, and God has just blessed them with an innate talent. But there is something about putting in the time, persistence. And, and it seems like that magic number is 10,000. Because whether you look at playing a violin, or you look at sports, or you look at academics, if you put in 10,000 hours towards anything, that you will achieve mastery of that. And so, unfortunately, I stand here today and I, and I shamefully say that I've easily logged way more than 10,000 hours 
doing this. Click, click, click. Ouch. Right? But is prayer any different for us? For us, when, when prayer gets hard, what do we do? Do we quit? Do we give up? I saw somebody had posted on Facebook this week. I, I wish I'd grabbed it. It was really cool. It was this picture of these two guys, and they're under, um, underground, and they're digging tunnels, and they're both kind of digging this way, right? And so as they're digging, what they don't know is that just on the other side of where they're digging is this giant pile of diamonds. And so the one guy had gotten just to the edge, and he was exhausted. And so he takes his pick, and he throws it over his shoulder, and he's heading the other way. And then the other guy underneath him, he's just digging, and he's digging, and he's digging. And you know that just in a few seconds, he's going to hit the diamonds. Prayer is a habit for us to cultivate. It's a discipline for us to learn how to do. And, and if you, know, you wonder why we're doing this prayer emphasis for 21 days, uh, 21 days is one of, those, one of those other magic numbers, like 10,000 hours, that if you do something for 21 days in a row, it will become a habit in you, and, and it will become something that after those 21 days, it'll be so much easier. You've got to muscle through, because initially you, don't, you, you struggle. And it's one of those things that maybe you, you make yourself do it. And I don't want to just smash prayer down to hours logged or minutes logged. And, and to get that is, is a confusion. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. And Jesus uses this story to give us a lesson of how we should pray. Now think about that. This woman, we don't know what she needs justice for. We don't know if her son has been wrongly convicted of a crime. We don't know if it's her neighbor's dog who keeps jumping through the fence and tearing up her garden. We don't know what it is that she needs this judge to help. But what it does show us it shows us what praying hard looks like. That she was persistent. That she kept knocking on the door. She stalked this lawyer. The phrase that's used to describe her persistence, it says that she's wearing me out. That terminology in the Greek is a boxing reference. It means going toe-to-toe. Twelve, uh, tw- what are they called? The twelve, twelve rounds. Yeah, it eluded me for a second going 12 rounds with this guy, and finally he's just like, oh, I can't, I can't keep my hands up anymore. Okay, I give. She's wearing me out. How many times have we prayed 
with that kind of intensity. Saying, God, I need this in my life. I need you to save my marriage. I need you to save my coworker. I need you to save whoever. I need you to come through. I need you to provide our finances. We need you to, to, to meet this need. We need healing in our bodies. Prayer is more than just words. It's blood, sweat, and tears. Our prayers are, are two-dimensional. We pray like it depends on God, and we work like it depends on us. It's one of those things where it's, it's kind of hard. And, and I, know, I know that Fiji is one of those crazy things. That is God going to send my family to Fiji? I don't know. But I'm going to pray like it depends on God, and I'm going to work like it depends on me. So I was on every Facebook page that Tom Tom had. I was linking. I was posting. I was liking. I actually went and printed out all of the passport applications for my kids because if they pick me, i got to have passports for my kids. And, and so I've got all their applications. We're waiting. Um, and we're going to take all the kids to the post office and have their pictures taken and fill out their applications. This is a completely different thing. If you are a Christian, you should have a passport. Not part of the message, but this is, this is just my own personal thing. If God were to call you to go on the mission field, if God showed up at some point over the next 21 days in an answer to someone's circled prayer and said, yes, I want you to go to this country and, and to work with this missionary or to be able to do this, one of the easiest excuses that we have as American Christians or as Christians is to just say, oh, I don't have my passport. Yeah, I can't go. It's too hard. It's too long. Get your passport. It's going to cost a little bit of money. It's going to cost you an investment of about 100 bucks. Well, more if you expedite it. Not according to the application I filled out. Okay. Regardless, it costs money. It's an investment. But if God calls you to go somewhere and you don't have it, it's an easy cop-out. Say, oh, God, I, you know, I can't go. I, I don't have my... Uh... Get your passport. The thing that we need to learn from this story that Jesus told is that the judge knew that she would circle his house until the day that she died, until she got a response from him. He knew that there was absolutely no quit in this widow. The question that I have for you here this morning is does the judge know that about you? That as we are circling the things that we're praying for, for our finances, for our health, for our families, for our vacations, for this church, for our community, for our unsaved family members that we love, our co-workers that we love, does the judge know that we are that persistent widow, that we are willing to go toe-to-toe, 12 rounds, God, I'm not getting out of this circle until you save my husband, till you heal my marriage, till you heal my body. She could have waited. 
till her day in court, right? She could have just said, you know, I'll just take what I get. It's not what she did. Every day, she's on his doorstep. She's sending him emails. She's posting on Facebook, this judge has better do something for me, right? She, she showed up at the courtroom. She showed up on his lunch break. See different people throughout the New Testament showing up in Jesus' life. You see a guy, tax collector, in a three-piece suit, climbing up into a tree just so that he can see Jesus. Wealthy, rich, influential, powerful, climbing up in a tree, hanging from branches just so that he can see Jesus. He was desperate. You see, as Jesus is hanging out, having dinner, and the woman comes into the dinner celebration and she takes this jar of, of precious perfume and she breaks it and, and, and anoints Jesus' feet with it and wipes it with her hair. She is desperate for God to do something. It's a holy desperation. And again, this is not something where we're trying to put all the right letters together to come up with the right way to say it that will move God. And it's not something where we're trying to say that, that anything that you want, that God will give it to you, this is not name it and claim it. And, and, and again, to remember that when God answers our prayers, when we pray for things, we get three responses, right? We get yes, we get no, and we get wait. And so regardless of what we're praying for, if it's something that's outside of God's will, He's not going to say yes just because you asked for it. Sometimes the answer is no. And that no is just as good of an answer. It may not be the answer that you wanted. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. Because he wants to see what's your persistence quotient. For us as dads, what's your persistence quotient in praying for your family, praying for your kids, praying for your wife? You know, the, the song that the guy sang about leading me with strong hands, not giving up, knowing that, that dad is going to be there. Dads, what is your persistence quotient like? What's your prayer life like for your family, for your kids? I love the way Mark writes this. He says, long before you woke up this morning and long after you go to sleep tonight, the Spirit of God was circling you with songs of deliverance. He has been circling you since the day you were conceived, and He'll circle you until the day you die. He's praying hard for you with ultrasonic groans that cannot be formulated into words, and those unutterable intercessions should fill you with an unspeakable confidence. This kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning of our series. God isn't just for you in some passive sense. God is for you in the most active sense imaginable. Every single day, the Spirit is interceding for us, for you. He's praying, he's talking to God. God, do you see Rob? Do you see Dick? Do you see Josh? Do you see Cheryl? Back about 300 years before Honi, there was another time that Israel was waiting for rain. It had been three years. 
and it hadn't had they hadn't had a single drop of rain, and Elijah um, gets a promise from God that Elijah, if you'll pray, I'll send the rain. And so Elijah goes up to the top of Mount Carmel with his servant, and he begins to pray, and he prays and says, "God, send the rain." Prayer number one says to his servant, "Look out towards the sea. Do you see anything? Nothing." All right, let's do it again. He prays again. God, send the rain. We need it. Sends the servant. Do you see anything? Nothing. Two times. Three times. Four times. Five times. Six times. He prays, do you see anything? Anything. Fog. Mist. A bird. Something. Yeah, I got nothing, Elijah. Prayer number seven. Now all of a sudden something happens. He says, I see a small cloud about the size of my hand. The line just like, buckle up. Right? Because then all of a sudden, as, 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 as they see this cloud moving in, they're like, we got to get out of here. Because the storm and the rain that God sent was this torrential storm. Uh, rain, thunder, lightning. God showed up. Let me ask you a question. What if Elijah had stopped at six? How many people would have lost their lives after three years of drought? No crops are growing. Nobody's got water to let alone wash their cars. There's nobody's got water to drink, to make, to make food with, to clean anything with. People are going to die without this rain. What if he quit? I think Honey looked back at that prayer that God answered for Elijah and said, God, like you did it for Elijah, do it for me. Kind of like when you're, when you're on a website or in, a, in a, a Word document and you see that something's highlighted and underlined that's called a hyperlink and that when you click on it, it'll take you somewhere else. It's kind of like Elijah's prayer got hyperlinked to Honey and Honey clicked on it and said, God, you did it for Elijah you can do it for me. It's like the story where Joshua gets told, I'm going to send you into the promised land. I'm going to give you every square inch that you set your foot on. Everywhere you step, I'm going to give that to you. But then God puts a tagline on it. He clicks a hyperlink to it because he says to Joshua, just like I promised Moses, now I'm promising you. And for us, as we, as we read God's word, you know, it's one of those things I always, I always split the two things apart. That I had to pray and I had to read the Bible. And so I would pray and I would get into it, you know, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. Okay, that's enough. I'm done. And then I would go read my Bible. And then I would read a verse, a verse, a verse, a verse, verse, chapter. Okay, I'm good. All right, should I read another chapter? No, that's really hard. But now what I'm doing is as I'm reading, I'm praying. And I'm saying, okay, when Jesus said that, that bring the children to me, I'm like, God, Bring the children to you 
at, at Life Quest on Sunday mornings. Let Kids Quest be like bringing kids, our kids to come and sit on your lap on Sunday mornings. And as I'm reading through how, how the fig tree gets withered because it didn't have any fruit, God, don't let that ever be me. Don't let ever me, let me be the, fruit, the tree with no fruit on it. And now as I read, I've got, I, I, I would like to say that I, I have my pencil, but I'm, I'm reading in here, and I'm, I'm highlighting and I'm bookmarking so that, that when I hit those spots, that when God shows me something in his word, it immediately forces me to stop and pray. And so it's not I have to read my Bible and I have to pray. It's both and at the same time. If you've ever struggled or if you're currently struggling with your prayer life or with your Bible reading, try it. It will transform the way you read God's Word. And it will transform your prayer life, I promise. I know it's done it for me. For us. When we look at the promises that God has in His Word, you know, there are some things, there's a, a section in, in Scripture where it talks about Jesus and when He was 12 years old. And I had just read it in Luke how his parents had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so they're there with all their family, all their relatives. It's a big party. They're there for the celebration, and then they leave. And he's 12. He's a big kid. And so Mary and Joseph are not really worried that he's not right there next to them. And so they're in the caravan heading back to their, to their hometown. And then all of a sudden, three days in, they realize, have you seen Jesus? No, I haven't seen Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? Because they were all with family. It was like it was a big thing. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh no. Have you ever left your kid at church? Yeah. I, I remember uh, we got a phone call because we had left Joy in the nursery at church, completely forgotten that, that I know. I, 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 we just did. But there's, in that passage where it talks about that Jesus grew in stature and in favor with God and with men. I pray that over my kids. I know that that's talking about Jesus, but I claim that promise. That my kids would grow, that my kids would be healthy, that my kids would have the favor of God in their lives, that my kids would have the favor of men that they would have favor with their friends at school, that they would have favor with their teachers, that they'd have favor with, with our, our neighbors. That's a promise I'm circling for my kids. Not necessarily one that's in there that, that even lists itself as a promise, but I'm praying it. The Bible is a promise book and a prayer book. Pray it. One of the things that we found yesterday that was just absolutely amazing, and, and I know my, my mom has my grandpa's Bible, um, and, and it's incredible to look at my grandfather's Bible because that was back in the day when people actually held books with pages um, as opposed to now. Um, but you look at my grandfather's Bible, and literally it's like held together with like duct tape and bailing wire because that thing has just been worn out. And you open it up and there's underlines and there's notes and there's sermons and there's promises, prayers that have been prayed. And I believe that we are sitting here this morning as an answer to my grandfather's prayers. His prayers didn't die with him when he died. 
Our prayers don't ever stop. The prayers that we pray now, they go on. They go on and bless our kids. They go on and bless our kids' kids. I think that's why God said that his favor will be on them into into a, a thousand generations. Our prayers don't stop. So we were going through boxes yesterday, and we found this whole stack of Grandma Esther's Bibles. Amazing. And, and we were just, she was in one of those, oh! And I let her that time. But just reading what Grandma Esther prayed about in 1969, and the lady that she led to the Lord, and then after she led her to the Lord, that, that God did this in her life, and she did this in her life. And, and it has the whole family listed out as Grandma Esther would pray for every, every kid, every grandkid, every cousin, every, everybody is in Grandma Esther's Bible. Father's Day, whether you're a dad here tonight, today or not, um, God is calling us to pray hard. Last week, Jamie said it, dream big. What is it that, we, that God wants us to believe for? What, is it, what are the bold things that God wants us to ask for? Crazy things. Now, if it's outside of God's will, he'll say no. But if it's within God's will, he will say yes, but we won't know. And, and sometimes we, we're so quick to say, well, if the Lord wills, then I'm so past that now. I want to believe God for the impossible. On my, on my Facebook page, I, I got a fortune cookie, and it says um, something to the effect of things that are impossible uh, seem impossible at first, but then, but then when they become reality. Um, I'm butchering it. Go to my Facebook page. It's way better there. Um, I don't even remember my own fortune cookie. Anyways. Should have chose a different illustration. Um, what are you believing God for? What are you praying for? What is it that you've maybe had to pray for for a long time? I know that there are some of you here sitting in this room. You prayed for your spouse 10 years, 20 years, 30 years before finally God began to do anything in their lives. And, and the miraculous things that we've seen since God answered those prayers. Um, who are you praying for? Let's close. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. God, it's not about saying the right words. It's not about putting the right letters together because before we even uttered our first syllable, you knew the punctuation at the end of the sentence. You already know. And we don't understand why, if you already know it, that we have to ask for it, but it's the way that it is. And so, God, we ask that you would help us to be like that persistent widow, that we would knock until our knuckles are raw, that we would wear you out for the things that we need in our lives, for the things that we've circled, whether it's a healing, whether it's the restoration of a marriage, whether it's a job. God, you've already provided jobs for people that have been looking and looking and struggling Thank you. Lord, you're, you're doing things in people's lives like, like we've never even seen before as a church. Thank you. God, help us to increase our persistent quotient. 
Lord, that we would not just give up after six times, but we would keep praying, that we would keep circling, that we would dream big, and that we would pray hard. Lord, we love you. Lord, because all of it glorifies you. It's really not about us at all. Every answered prayer is glory to you. Father, I pray you'd help us to pray bold prayers and to pray hard. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pray God's blessings over you this week. Thank you. Remember uh, to be careful what you watch this week. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. And uh, if you're able to stick around and help us tear down, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, if you're not, again, dads, happy Father's Day. If you're here and you're a dad and you didn't get um, the Tim Hortons gift card, um, let us know. I don't know. All the gift cards get given out. Everybody's got one. Um, if you didn't get one, please make sure that you get one before you leave. And um, it is an egg Sunday. Uh, so for those of you that are new to LifeQuest, uh, we have a food ministry that brings uh, dozens and dozens of eggs. And so take a carton, not to take a carton, take a flat of eggs uh, take them home, eat them, share them with a neighbor. Um, yeah, the only thing that we ask is that you don't take them and throw them at your neighbor's house, please. That would be that would be fantastic. If I were a kid at this church, man, it would be bad news. Yeah. Love you guys. Have a great week.